So we are in the middle of our full series. And we have, we have been learning that it's important to stay full of the good things of God, to spend time in his word and to spend time in prayer, to spend time in his presence and just allow him to just fill us up to overflowing to everything and everyone in our lives. And so this morning we're going to be talking about mothering on full. And why is it important to mother on full? And so we have, we have a lot of scriptures that we're going to be reading this morning. So I'm not going to ask you to stand because I don't want any moms to leave here with leg cramps because you would be standing up and down constantly. So I'm just going to pray and we're going to get started this morning because I cannot wait to share with you guys what God's put on my heart. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, for, for every mom under the sound of my voice at every campus in this room online, Lord God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that their hearts would be open to you this morning, that we would hear from you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So why is it so important that we mother on full? So the first reason I have for you this morning is when we mother on full, we understand that our kids belong to God first, that they are entrusted to us by him. Now, what is this? What does being spiritually full have to do with understanding this? Because when we realize that our kids belong to God first, we understand that we are held to a higher standard in our parenting. And because of that, we understand the need to spend time in God's presence because it's only there that we're going to receive what we need to lead our kids the way that God wants us to. We're going to go to 1 Samuel this morning and we're going to start in verse 1. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. And when she had weaned him, verse 24, she took him up with her along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. They slaughtered the bull and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord for this child. I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. So Hannah is a woman who's unable to have a child. 
And we read that at times she would grieve so deeply that she would refuse to even eat. And so one day while at Shiloh, her grief is so great that Eli the priest notices her and he thinks that she is drunk. And she explains to him that she is just grieving, that she's unable to have a child. But here's where I feel that the turning point is for Hannah. Hannah's prayer becomes a commitment to God. That if God would bless her with a son, that she would give him to the Lord all the days of her lives. And so we see that once this child is weaned, she takes him to the temple and she leaves him there. Now, moms, I don't want you to get the wrong idea here because I can see some of your wheels turning. That next time little Johnny acts up and gets on your last nerve, you pack him up and you drive up out front of the church and you set him out there with a suitcase and you pin a little note on his shirt, kind of like Paddington Bear, and you say, Dear Pastor Chris, I have prayerfully come to the conclusion and decided that I would like for little Johnny to serve God all the days of his life. So I'm leaving him in your capable hands. Signed, anonymous. Don't do that. (laughs) But Hannah recognized that children are a gift from God. She says, God, if you would give me a son that in my gratitude, I will do everything that I can to make sure that he serves you all the days of his life. We have to remember that our kids are entrusted to us for a season. And as amazing as we think that our plans are for our kids, God's plans are so much greater. So much more important, which means that it is crucial for you and I as moms, as grandparents, to stay tuned into God's voice. He's not always going to tell us the exact plans that he has for our kids, but what he is going to do as you lean into him is he's going to pour wisdom and guidance into you to pour into those kids so that when the time comes, they're ready, that they're prepared to walk in what God has for them. The world's definition of success looks different than God's definition of success. And if we're not careful, we can, we can lead our kids down this path looking to things of this world for fulfillment rather than looking to God. But the great thing is that God doesn't just drop our kids in our lap and like, good luck with that. You're really going to need some help with that one. No, he comes alongside of us. He wants to take the lead on it. There were times when our kids were difficult. And I'm not just talking about leaving their sweaty socks in the floor. I'm talking about questioning the the existence of God. I'm talking about trying to get them to come to church. I'm talking about making decisions that, that could significantly alter their lives for the worst. And I remember one day when I was praying and and just, just crying out to God. And I remember him saying, as much as you love your children, I love them so much more. I have not abandoned you in your parenting. I just need you to take a back seat and allow me to take the driver's seat. Allow me to lead you. Allow me to pour into you and give you all that you need to bring these children up in my will. Philippians 4 Six through seven says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God doesn't abandon us in our parenting. He wants us to take these requests and present them to him. And then he gives us the peace 
in our minds and our hearts to know that he is speaking to them, that he is working in their lives, even when we don't see it. Difficult seasons with our kids are opportunities for us to trust him more. And the thing is, is that our kids are watching even our reactions to difficult moments with them. Moms, your kids are watching you. They hear everything you say. They watch everything that you do. If you don't believe me, volunteer in the kids' ministry for a couple weeks, especially the toddler room or the kindergarten room, because you're going to leave here and you're going to know everything about every family that dropped their kids off because they know it all. They listen and they watch. And that's why it's so important that, that we model for them what it looks like. Our day-to-day decisions should point our kids to God. Are we teaching them the importance of reading his word? Are we teaching them the importance of spending time with him in prayer? When our kids are young, it's easy for us to get into the daily grind and and get busy with, with all that we have on our plates, with work, with our house, with getting kids to and from games. And, and sometimes we don't think about the fact that they're not going to be little forever, that they're not going to live under our roof forever, that they're going to grow up, they're going to move out. Most of them are going to have a family of their own. And there's going to come a point that, that God needs to be first in their lives, not mom and dad. So are we modeling that for them? Is God first in our lives? This changes the way that we parent. This changes the way that we mother. It forces us to seek God daily to fill us with all the wisdom that we need to raise our crazy children. (laughs) The second thing I want to point out this morning is that when we mother on full, we have a constant awareness of God's provision because our focus is on him and our faith is in him. We're going to go to first Kings chapter 17, verse eight. The word of the Lord came to him, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. How many of you have kids in your household that constantly tell you that they are starving and there is nothing in your house to eat? Ours did all the time. Mom, there is nothing here. And I would go in the kitchen. I'd say, well, you've got this and you can make this and you can. I don't like any of that. (laughs) This is a family that literally has nothing to eat. They have nothing. Nothing. 
And this widow could have easily told Elijah, you are crazy if you think I am going to make you the last of the food that I was going to feed to my child. But here's what we can learn from her. We find out that, that she trusts God and we know she trusts God's leading because she was obedient. And because she was obedient to God's leading, God provided. Being a mom is difficult. Would any of you agree with me? It is difficult and we can be hard on ourselves. We have to feel like we're perfect at all times. And when we make mistakes, we feel like we fail our families. We can have a day that nothing is going right, that our kids are arguing, that every bit of clothing in our house is dirty. It's piled up. The kids are playing king of the mountain on it. It's so high. There's no dirty. There's no clean dishes. All the dishes are dirty. We have to hand our husband a a baby infant spoon to eat a cereal with because there's no clean dishes. We've yelled at our kids three times and it's only 830 in the morning. I see your ladies shaking your head. You know what I'm talking about. And then you get just a moment to yourself and you jump on Facebook so you can catch up with your friends. And there's Miss Perfect Patty. And she's got all 12 of her kids. And they're in the kitchen and they're making Mickey Mouse shaped pancakes. And they're posing for pictures with their arms around each other, seeing Kumbaya. Because she's got it all together and now you feel even worse about yourself. There's a lot of pressure to being a good mom. This widow was obedient to what God was telling her. She understood that God was the ultimate provider, that he was going to give her what she needed in that moment. Moms, I'm here to tell you this morning that no matter how difficult the day seems, no matter how you feel that you have failed your kids, God is the one that is going to give you everything you need in the moment. But you have to take the time to look to him for it. If we are obedient to God in our mothering, what is God telling us to do? We can start in Proverbs 22, 6, where it tells us to train up a child in the way that he should go. How do we do this? I don't know about you guys, but I've heard the comment so many times. I sure wish kids came with an instruction manual. They actually do. It's called the word of God. He's got everything in there laid out for us. What is he teaching you, mom? Teach that to your kids. What is he saying to you in your prayer time? Share that with your children. Look for those teachable moments just in your day-to-day lives. Because the thing is, is sometimes we think, well, well, they're just kids. But you know what? Kids don't have a miniature Holy Spirit. They've got the same Holy Spirit that you do. And we need to to foster that. We need to help them grow and, and push them towards God. We can't just rely on the children's ministry on Sunday mornings to train up our kids because it's our job first. And the truth is, is that, that you and I, we're the ones that are going to be held accountable one day, not only for what we teach our kids, but also for what we don't teach them. Are we taking the time in our day to make sure that we watch for those teachable moments? That we watch for those moments that, that we can, can love on them and we have our ears open to what God's wanting to say to them. When I was a teenager going off the deep end, I was one of those kids. I couldn't hide anything from my mom. It was almost like I walked around everywhere I went wearing a body cam. Like she knew everything before I even knew I was going to do it. She knew it all. 
And she would remind me very often, you do know that the Holy Spirit speaks to me. (laughs) Which means my mom did a lot of listening because she knew everything. When was the last time you sat and listened to what the Holy Spirit is telling you about your kids? Rather than stressing about your imperfections, rather than allowing the enemy to beat you up because you don't look like perfect Patty. When we allow thoughts into our minds about how imperfect our parenting is, we are proving that we have been relying on our own wisdom and our own strength rather than God's. When Elijah first spoke to this widow, we could sense her fear. We could sense her hopelessness because her focus was on herself as the provider. But then after she speaks to Elijah, there's this shift in her perspective. She makes this food and gives it to him in obedience to God because her her focus from herself as the provider was now on God as the provider. God never intended us to mother our kids in our own wisdom and in our own strength. We were never intended to mother our children apart from him. If I were to tell you that I went in to see a counselor because I really needed help with my kids. And I said, you know what? I went in to see this person and I sat down in front of them and I just poured it all out. And I said, I I need help with this and this and this. And these are my struggles. And then as soon as I was done talking and, and the counselor gets ready to open their mouth, I jumped up and I ran out. I was done. And you would say, well, that's just dumb. Why didn't you take the time to allow him to give you some wisdom? Why didn't you sit in there for a little bit and allow him to to show you and tell you what you needed to do, give you a little bit of advice? But how many times do we do that? We go to God and we're like, God, I need help with little Johnny. I don't know what to do. I'm on my wit's end. I've tried everything that I know to do. I need your help. And then just about the time that the Holy Spirit gets ready to tell us what we need to do, we jump up and we're out the door. We have to take the time to allow him to pour into us. We have to to tune our ears into his voice and sit and listen sometimes, allowing him to lead us. Allowing him to lead us means that we have to create the time and space to do that. And it's within that space that we give him that we are reminded that we can have confidence in his provision, that he is the one that's going to provide, that he's the one that's going to help us be the mom that we're called to be. The third thing I want to point out this morning is that when we mother on full, we have the confidence to stand in the gap and fight for our children. As moms, we're nurturers by nature, right? Would you agree with me on that? We're the ones that our kids come running to when they fall down and they scrape up their knees, their first breakup. We hug them, we snuggle them. As long as our kids will allow us to, we're empathetic, we're sympathetic to our children's feelings and their needs. We kiss their boo-boos, we wipe away their tears. And I just want to remind you women that no matter what the world says, that we should see nurturing as a gift, not a weakness. But as moms, there's times that we're also called to be warriors. I want to point out a woman in this next passage of the Bible who knew how to tap into that fierce side of her nature when needed. And so we're going to turn to Judges this morning. We're going to go to Judges chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 17. 
But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, and do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her tent, and she covers him with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, Is anyone here? Say no. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg. She took a hammer in her hand. She softly went to him and she drove the peg into his temple until it went into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, come and I will show you the man whom you were seeking. So he went into her tent and there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in his temple. Now I can almost guarantee that nobody on their way to church this morning says it's Mother's Day. And I bet there's going to be a special message and they're going to bring up the passage in Judges where a woman takes a hammer and a tent peg and puts it through the temple of her enemy. But there's a reason I'm pointing this out to you ladies this morning. Just a little history here. Sisera was the leader of the Canaanite army who had been devastating the armies of Israel for over 20 years. He had been an unstoppable force. And we read here that Sisera feels comfortable going to Jael's tent because this was considered a place of peace. But what he didn't realize was that Jael was a Kenite and that Kenites were relatives of Moses and they had strong ties to Israel. Now, please understand, ladies, that I am not advocating that you carry around pent tags, tent, pent, tent pegs or any violence of any kind. Because the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, 12, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Against, we wrestle against the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, which means that our battles are spiritual battles. Our kids are not the enemy. Our teenagers are not the enemy. Our husbands, our mother-in-laws, not the enemy. Satan is the enemy, and because our battle is spiritual, so are the weapons that God has given us to use. The first thing I want to point out about JL is that she recognized her enemy, and she recognized the threat that he was to her family. Moms, we need to recognize that there is an enemy after our children. And if you don't believe me, take a visit to your children's public school library. Turn on the television. Watch the news. Turn on the internet. Look at what is being being thrown at them. Listen to the conversations they're having with kids at school. The enemy is after our kids, and he is relentless in his pursuit. And we have to be even more relentless in our pursuit of God. Because it's there that we're going to find what we need. We cannot allow ourselves to get distracted and comfortable with day-to-day life and let down our guard. You guys have seen that shirts and, and mugs that say mama bear. Some of you might even have one of those. Well, what do we know about a mother bear? We know that she's, she nurtures her cubs, that she takes care of them. 
that she teaches them how to take care of themselves. She raises them and, and, and she's gentle with them. But what I think about when I think about a mama bear is I don't want to come upon one in the woods. Because what happens is when a mama bear senses a threat, she's going to step in between her cubs and that threat. And she's going to fight to the death and she's going to say, if you want them, you've got to come through me first. Moms, it's time that we realize who the enemy is, that there is a real enemy, that this enemy is after our kids. JL was confident to step in the gap for her family. She recognized the threat that that he posed and she knew something needed to be done. And so what does she reach for? She reaches for a hammer and a tent peg. Why? Because in that time, women were the ones that put up the tents. And so these were tools, weapons in her eyes that she was familiar with using. She was confident in those. In order to be confident in our spiritual weapons that God has given us, we have to be familiar with them. There were times when, when our kids were under attack and I knew that the Bible said in Proverbs 18, 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And then in Hebrews 4, 12, it tells us that the word of God is living and it's active and it's sharper than any two edged sword. And there were times that I would stand outside my children's bedroom at night and I would put my hands on their door and I would pray over them because I understood that there was power in the tongue. There's power in the words that we say, and there's power in God's word. And so I would combine the two and I would take the promises out of his word and I would speak them and I would pray them over my children. But the thing is, is that we can't speak words over our children. We can't speak God's promises over our children if we don't even know what they say. We have to be constantly in God's word so that we can take his word and we can declare it over their lives. It's time, moms, that we take a stand against the enemy. That we stop allowing him to back us into a corner. That like the mama bear, we stand in the gap. Let me remind you that when God entrusted you with your child, that that came not just with responsibility, but that came with an authority. The authority that when the enemy would come after your children, that you could step in that gap in between, in between that enemy and your children. And you could remind him that for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That no weapon formed against me or my child is going to prosper. That I am more than a conqueror. And you can remind him that the same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead also lives inside of you. And so if he wants them, he's going to come through you first. Moms, it's time that we stand in the gap for our children. That we take a stand against the enemy. But in order to do that, we have to be dressed in the full armor of God. We have to be prayed up. Our minds must be renewed by the word of God daily. Because it's in that place where we are reminded the authority that he's given us. That we are reminded who, bi- who how big our God is, who he is, and who he has called us to be. The authority that he has given us. 
The last thing I want to point out this morning is that when we mother on full, we know that true rest is found in him. Anyone here been on a long road trip with kids? So we have four kids and um, my husband's family lived in Louisiana. And so we would drive straight through 19 and a half to 20 hours every year to go visit his family. And I can tell you, I think most of my grays in my head here came from those road trips because you guys know they fight and they bicker. Don't touch me. Don't look at me. That's my pillow. Right. And I, you know, I, I clearly remember one time we were just like at our wits end. like we would drive straight through. So we're tired. We're frustrated. We don't have patience. The kids are fighting and we start just thinking about, you know, how cool would it be if someone came up with like this kid friendly tranquilizer dart? <laughs> so like, so like parents could like just, I guess, keep them, you know, up in the car somewhere handy, somewhere you can reach them. Right. And so when the kids start really getting on your nerves, you just kind of turn around and you're like, tuh, 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 right. And they're out. You guys are judging me right now. Four kids, 19 and a half hours. You could hold hands and like dream about the future together. You could eat your chocolate candy bar without having to like, you know, hide it and pass it to, to your spouse so the kids don't see it and ask for it. It would be wonderful. So I, I put a little question out on Facebook last week. I'm like, hey, moms, what is your biggest struggle? And one of the things that I kept seeing was moms are saying, I need sleep. I need rest. I need coffee. Rest, rest, rest is what I kept seeing. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This means he provides a place, moms, for rest for us. He leads me beside still waters. Here's this place where I don't have to feel rushed. That I can sit and I can receive this, this, these waters that he has for me. The living water that only he provides. He restores my soul. What becomes depleted from day-to-day life, from pouring into our families, is now restored as we rest in his presence. I noticed when raising my own kids that the most difficult days for me to deal with were the ones that I had not spent time with God. Now, I'm not saying the most difficult days, I'm saying the ones to deal with because just because you spend time with God doesn't mean that they're not going to cover each other and the dog in shaving cream or explode cheese whiz all over your living room. And those are true stories. It happened to us. But what happens is, is that there's this peace in our spirit that prevents us from completely flying off the handle because we have taken time to spend in his presence. We recognize as these feelings begin to rise and we're looking for those tranquilizer darts, that he's our strength, that it's in him that we find our peace. Everything we need is found in God's presence, everything. And that includes what we need to be good moms. Watch this in Galatians 5.22. It says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If I were to say, hey, can you make a list of everything you need as a mom? 
there it is. It's all there. Everything. Here, all in one scripture, this tells me that all of these things that I need come from the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better that I go because I'm going to send a helper that's going to come to you. And the thing is that all these gifts come along with them. Every one of them, all that we need, it all comes with them. And as we allow him to pour into us, all of these gifts become ours. And moms, I know you're busy. I get it. But the truth is, is that we make time for what we value. We have to make God a priority, not just for ourselves, but for our families, for our children. Ladies, we're creative. Look what we can do when, when we don't know, we don't have any plans for dinner and we go in the kitchen and we find a roll of biscuit dough and a can of peas and a piece of chicken and we slap that stuff together and we serve it up to our family and we call it dinner. That's creativity, right? My husband, he, he's laughing because anytime he calls and he's like, what's for dinner? I'm like, oh, we'll throw together. He knows that I'm saying I had no plan. I ran around the kitchen, grabbed a bunch of stuff and threw it in a casserole dish. Ladies, look at what we can do with a box of macaroni and a bottle of glue when our kids come to us at 8 p.m. at night to tell us that tomorrow morning they have a school project due. If we can get creative in these things, we can get creative with our time. And it's so much more important to put God first. Smith Wigglesworth says, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. This is a man who understood the importance of not just setting time aside to spend time with God, but realize that God is with us everywhere we go and he wants to be a part of your day. Talk to him in the car. Talk to him while you're washing the dishes. Allow him to consistently be pouring into you. Some of my favorite moments are in the mornings when, when my grandkids have, have stayed over the night and I'm in the living room reading, reading my Bible and one of them gets up early and they sneak down the stairs and they crawl up in my lap and I'm sitting there reading the word of God because not only am I being poured into, but I'm modeling what it looks like for my grandchildren. I find my rest in him as I allow him to pour into me everything that I need for my day no matter what that day is going to bring. Psalm 23, 5, I'm going to invite the, the band up. It says, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. When we include God into our day, we are allowing him to pour everything that we need into us. Moms, we do a lot of pouring out. We give and we give and we pour and we pour into our families and into our kids. And if we're going to stay full to overflowing, that means that we have to position ourselves consistently to allow God to be pouring into us. You're going to go home with a, a gift today that has this scripture in it. My cup overflows. And I just want that to be a reminder to you. Every time you see that cup, have I spent time? Have I positioned myself for God to pour into me today? I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. 
If you're a mom here, would you raise your hand up? All moms, raise your hand. Can you guys look around? And I want every mom to have a hand on their shoulder. Can we just gather around moms that have their hands lifted up? Keep Moms, keep your hands up until somebody has their hand on your shoulder. And then once they do, you can put it down. Because I don't want any mom to get missed. We have, we have a lady in the back over here. We want to make sure every mom has somebody praying over them this morning. I, got, I want you guys to just start praying. Whatever God puts on your heart, just start praying over those moms. Father God, I thank you. God, it is such a privilege and a gift to have moms in our lives. God, I pray today that that you would pour into these moms. God, I pray that they would desire nothing more than to spend time in your presence, realizing that everything they need to carry out the difficult task of being a mom is found only in you. And God, that as, as we as moms separate ourselves from the busyness just for a moment and spend time in your presence, that you would just fill us up that you would just pour into us, overflowing into our families, overflowing into our kids, God. That we would be reminded that our children are entrusted to us, that they are yours first. And that it is so important, Lord God, that we be seeking you so that we receive the wisdom and the guidance that we need to lead them down the path that you have for our kids, the plans that you have for them, Lord. Remind us, God, that you are the ultimate provider, that we don't have to have it all together because we never will. But we can look to you as the ultimate provider to fill us with all that we need, God. And God, I pray that our eyes would be opened, would be open to the plans of the enemy, Lord Jesus, and that we would have the confidence and the boldness to step into the gap for our children, Lord God, and to fight for them. God, that we would have the boldness, Lord, the authority that you have given us to take your word and speak it over our children. God, I pray that you do something new in every mom, Lord God, whether they are watching today or whether they are here in person, that they sense you like never before, God, that they would have a fresh mom anointing. I thank you, Lord God, for pouring into them, Lord Jesus. Thank you for doing something new in their lives, for making them feel blessed, God, because they have a God that that loves them, that desires to spend time with them, that desires to pour into them as we pour out into our families and our children, God.